You are listening to the Tech Chef Podcast. This is episode number 70, March 21st, 2023. This show is powered by Constrata.io. Leading with operations, solving with technology. This is Toby Malvik, Managing Director of Constrata Consulting, and you're listening to Skip on the Tech Chef Podcast. Off-premise strategy, business continuity, how about a taste test of restaurant technology, drive-through or curbside, mobile apps or AI, it's all on the menu, cook it up for the day, it's a recipe for success. You're in good hands with the tech chef. Make a plan to be your best. Strategize with the tech chef. Welcome back to another edition of the Tech Chef. For our regular listeners, thank you for tuning in again. And for those of our first time listeners, a warm welcome to all of you. This is your go-to resource for all things related to hospitality and food service technology, as well as strategy. It is aimed to help your organization become more profitable and more efficient. The ultimate goal is to provide you with the knowledge necessary to take your business to the next level. By listening to our weekly show, you'll gain valuable insights that can aid you in making informed decisions about the technology solutions that best fit your company's requirements. To ensure that you never miss an episode, be sure to subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast app, software, or service. We are delighted to have you with us here today, and we assure you that you're in great company. Now today, as promised, is our 2023 Murtech Recap Show. It was a short two weeks ago today We were gathered together at the Paris Hotel in Las Vegas, right in the middle of one of the best conferences I have been to in a very, very long time. Those that have listened to this show for any length of time knows that this recap show is a must for anybody who did not have a chance to attend or did not have a chance to see all the sessions. Having said that, Time is way too short on this podcast to talk about every single fire chat, keynote, and breakout session that was available. However, my colleague and I dig into some interesting aspects of the show. Look who we got on here today. Good grief. Good grief. You've been on the show way too many times. You had to have your own intro. I'm sorry. My goodness. My goodness. Skip, you've outdone yourself, my friend. Well, I try to. Well, Toby, thanks so much for coming on. It's been an exciting time. We spent some time in Las Vegas at Murtech. And last week, we we were supposed to do this episode, but... We had so much to talk about, so much to catch up on. Um, it was really an amazing show this last year. Um, I think they had a record attendance at Murtech. But between the operator participation and the vendors that showed up, it was really a spectacular show. What are your thoughts? Sometimes you hear these numbers and you say, well, I, they must be all at the casino or at the tables. But this was a different 
vibe. There were, first of all, there was not only quantity, but quality. A uh, lot, most of the large operators were there, had, had you know, a representation there. Great conversation, great networking. Uh, it was really very different than I think any conference I've been to in years, um, you know, COVID notwithstanding. So yeah, good, good quality, uh, the right people, good conversations. Um, and as I know, we'll talk about when we get into some of the sessions. I mean, it really even made it hard at times to get to the sessions. The quality of networking was so strong. I agree. Uh, speaking of the operators and the vendors that were at the show, as you walked around the floor, because I know you and I spent a lot of time walking the floor. That's kind of what we do as consultants. We need to understand what new technology is out there or what technology has developed since the last time we looked at a product. I like to think that if I knew a product six months ago, I don't know them today because who knows what has changed in their uh, development cycle. Was there any interesting software solution that you saw out there that piqued your interest or maybe even a trend that you were seeing? I think the biggest trends I saw, there, there wasn't any particular vendor that jumped out at me, but the, the general message seems to be the same. And, and we've talked about this in the past. I think, I think the supplier community is finally embracing the reality that, that operators today cannot be systems integrators. They just, they don't have the resources to do it. They don't have the capacity to do it. And they don't have the willingness or, you know, to want to do it. So you see a lot more around integration. Everybody's talking about integration. I know they talk about it all the time, but I think they're actually making steps toward it. You see more and more uh, suppliers embracing RTN as a, as a, a standards-based organization and getting involved with that. Um, and you also see even things like integration or, uh, I should say, um, you know, cap uh, capability along the lines of being uh, hardware agnostic or software agnostic or device agnostic in general and starting to realize that organizations aren't or all that, you know, willing to just move to a new technology if it means throwing away all of their equipment or, or, or changing their OS or things like that. So I'm seeing a lot more flexibility being baked into the, the, uh, the supplier landscape. I agree with that. I saw more and more of these technologies that were implementing existing hardware, because like you said, you know, a company doesn't want to throw out all their hardware uh, just to swap out a new solution. A solution. Uh, they would prefer to use the equipment that they just purchased. I mean, why would you want that extra expense? What was also interesting to me was the fact of the vendors that were not there, I was shocked to not see at Murtech because Murtech really is one of the biggest shows of the year. Yeah, I don't think that people recognize the value that Murtech has, has delivered to the uh, to the industry. Um, and, and it really, first of all, as, as you know, without putting too gratuitous a plug to it for HT, you know, they, they put on two conferences a year. And, and Murtech in, in, uh, in March is really designed for, I'd say, the mainstream director of IT, IT level. Um, and, and those operational uh, folks, and then there's a uh, there's a, a smaller group that meets at the end of the year in, in fall, which is really more of the C-suite. But this this particular gathering is really all about the the you know the four walls of the restaurant and corporate and the technologies that exist there. And I'm I'm the first one to recognize that this is a major investment for any supplier. But uh, if, when you sit down to do your marketing calendar, th this one has to be top of mind. I really can't think of a show that's any better than this and sometimes um, people think well the, the nra show must be better than this by, by definition it's the national restaurant association and that's a great conference for everything else 
you know, and, and obviously there's technology there and there'll be a technology pavilion. But if you want a very focused uh, operations technology centric audience, uh, it, it's hard to beat this group and you get the right people. The content has been generally excellent. I would argue that this year's content was as good, if not better than in the past. And and if suppliers sit down to do their, their marketing calendar to spend their money, um, they would be hard pressed to, to, to not. Uh, to not attend and, and to come to Mertech and, and have a presence here. Now, I've said it in previous Mertech recaps that you and I have done about the Startup Alley. I really believe the Startup Alley is the hidden gem of Mertech. You've got some of the hottest startup technology companies on display. I think they had 15 startups in the mix this year. A couple of them I had heard of before, and I really wanted to touch base with them. One of them was Tables, uh, spelled T-A-B-L-Z. They're basically an immersive 3D booking experience. I've never seen anything like it. They're basically a reservation management system. And the goal is really to find that perfect table and even upcharge for premium tables. Yes, diners are actually willing to pay for a preferred table. Uh, It can even do dynamic pricing depending on the weekend or the time of day. Very interesting, interesting company. Uh, The winner of this year's Startup Alley was a company called Landed. Don't know if you had a chance to see them, but they're basically using AI. They have a platform that takes care of all of your recruiting needs, uh, which ends up saving you time and money, sourcing, vetting, engaging, interviewing, all that stuff and hiring with no manual work. They're using an AI client to basically tailor the outreach based upon each candidate's profile and what they care about. So very clever system and well-deserving of the winner of the Mertech Startup Alley this year. Startup Alley is really, I, I agree with you, is really a hidden gem. And you see a lot of of these companies either, I'll use the term, graduate to the floor or get investment as a result of being part of Startup Alley. Uh, there, there should be, you know, venture capitalists should be looking at some of these these companies because really all they lack is the funding to be able to take their great ideas to the next level. Uh, I know we're going to talk about AI a little bit more. I think AI has some really great uh, use cases within the restaurant industry, notwithstanding you know, what, what Landed is talking about. So there's a number of, of, of really good uses there. But no, I, I absolutely agree with you. I, I, I'm, I regret that I didn't get to spend as much time at Startup Alley this year as I have in the past. But um, just some very interesting thoughts and ideas, um, really just looking for the, uh, the funding to be able to take them to the next level. Well, you provided the best segue ever. You know, there was so much to see at the conference with so many great sessions. We're going to cover just a couple of those sessions here today. So you said you went to a session on conversational AI. What did you discover during that session? It was very, very interesting. I mean, I didn't realize, I guess I should have, but, you know, we some, we sometimes get cocooned into the restaurant industry and don't think about other applications for things like AI across the other industry segments. But um, the, the speakers that spoke on AI, I thought, did a really nice job of, of bringing it to, to down to the level of just what is really AI all about? And one of the speakers said that AI, in, in, in its simplest case, it's not a fad. It's going to change the landscape. Um, in our in our industry, and I believe they're correct. And they said, you know, it really is an accelerator of, auto- of automation. The three things that they said that that AI will do for the restaurant industry is that you will know sooner, you'll decide faster. Uh, I'm sorry, you'll decide smarter, and you will act faster. 
And if you think about it, those are three drivers that, that we are constantly looking for, uh, for help with within the industry, right? No sooner, decide smarter, not faster. And one of the other interesting points that they made is that uh, it's, it's uh, scientifically speaking, what they said is that the voice uh, is the second most revealing part of the human experience, second only to DNA, which is fascinating if you think about it. By listening to somebody, you can assess a number of different things, obviously. Um, but one of the ones that may not be all that obvious is tone, mood. So when somebody orders with you, are they hang are they angry? Are they happy? Are they uh, frustrated? There's so much that can be that can be interpreted from voice. Uh, that an AI engine can can actually interpret uh, that it goes well beyond just simply whether they want a burger or fries. Uh, one of the things that uh, was also mentioned during the session, which was very interesting, is there is a great deal of of information that can be gleaned out of voice and, and AI um, that you almost need to be careful from the famous movie Spider-Man with great power comes great responsibility. We need to be very respectful of voice data uh, and use it in the appropriate manner uh, because there's so much power behind it. Um, but it was fascinating. The, the final thing I would say about that session, Skip, was they mentioned that um, there's an, obviously a growing uh, industry in voice AI and conversational AI. And they mentioned a, uh, a conference uh, April 24th to the 27th in Chattanooga, Tennessee called Project Voice 2023. A prominent um, segment of that will be around hospitality and food service. So a call out to that. Uh, and RTN will be there. So uh, there is a collaborative effort going on with RTN as well as conversational AI for the betterment of the industry. I didn't know that. That sounds very interesting. One of the sessions that I went to, and I know you and I have talked about this nonstop, was really optimizing labor and sales and also the guest experience. Starting off with the labor and sales piece, obviously the two biggest expenses and the two biggest costs of restaurants is the food cost and labor cost. Those are two numbers if you have the right tools in place that you can control and you can actually um, help your business become more efficient, more profitable. I have heard too many cases this year where these companies are talking about becoming recession-proof, but their solve is how do we drive new customer acquisition uh, into the restaurant? And I'm sitting there thinking, unless you have complete control of your food costs and your labor costs, why would you continue to drive additional traffic to your location until you get those other two costs under control? Because at the end of the day, you could be driving more people in there and losing more money if you don't have a tight handle on all of that. So there were some interesting facts. Uh, Jack Hanna from a company called Our Work, he was talking about some of the trends in the industry uh, and understanding, for instance, why people are quitting. Well, Two times as much as any other excuse, it comes down to the manager, believe it or not. Well, that's not that hard to believe. Uh, if you got a bad manager and they make your life miserable, obviously you're not going to want to stick around. Second one is schedule, followed by wage, the store environment, and other teammates. And it was very interesting to see about not only how or why people are quitting, but also kind of the wage predictions of, you know, where the, the money is being spent. And believe it or not, manager's pay continues to rise because the managers drive that successful retainment piece. You know, they're trying to make that happy employee and a good manager will do that. Shift supervisors, they're also climbing, but not as much as managers. 
cooks, baristas, crew that's kind of leveling out. And there's an interesting site, if you haven't checked it out, it's qsrwages.com. And it has a breakdown of wages based upon geography. So if you're an operator out there kind of trying to determine how much you should be paying or what the average is in your area, that's that's definitely a resource that you might want to go take a look at. Because retention of an employee, I think, is critical in today's date. It's such a transient industry to begin with. But uh, keeping an employee, keeping a good employee is so critical. And I think you and I have seen some very interesting aspects to the industry as far as it comes to employee retention. You and I have walked into consulting jobs where people have been there for 20, 25, 30 years, and you were sitting back going, wow, the average you know employee lasts you know, a couple of years in the restaurant industry. What are these people doing different? And it really comes down to taking care of their employees. You know, the other challenge is, is obviously COVID accelerated this work from home philosophy and really a watershed moment within the, the, the workforce in the United States. And sadly, restaurants are, are one of those organizations that will never be able to embrace that. So they've already they're already challenged that that they're swimming upstream against the conventional practice of working from home now i i, I uh, live outside of detroit michigan and general motors in, in early january or february um put out a note and said okay you know <laughs> vacation's over everybody come back to work and the pushback was so aggressive that they walked that back literally the next day so it, it it's 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 going against the current of of that remote um, you know, uh, what, what you know, mentality people want. Secondly, is that I think a lot of restaurants forget the old adage that a restaurant's employees are their customers, and that what they ought to be doing is catering their services and and benefits to their employees, who in turn will then do the same thing to the actual customers. And I think some restaurants lose track of the fact that their employees are their customers, um, and then the employees should be doing the same likewise um and then around that what does that mean that means motivation how do you motivate a uh, uh, you know an employee these days who again could be working from home and and it's chosen to come in and work in your restaurant it's that much harder so is it wages is it making the environment better is it giving them better tools to work with it is it some form of gamification um so all of these things and then finally as you said we see a lot of the managers are tenured for years, and we tend to find, as we look at restaurants, that the more tenured managers tend to have a more tenured staff who tend to have a better operating process and then therefore have better uh, you know, shopper scores and better quality of service and so on. So it does come from the top, uh, but some big challenges because you know, the headwinds of, of, of business sentiment today is really against the, you know, getting in a car and going to work anymore. So it's harder than ever to, first of all, attract, retain, and then obviously grow uh, restaurant employees these days. Agreed. Now, the third piece of that whole session was about that guest experience. And Zach Oates from Ovation was up there just talking about how to create a great guest experience. He had a couple of interesting numbers. Do you realize that 70% of first-time customers are not coming back because the guest experience was not up to par? I was actually blown away by that number. One of the things is that you're going to want to know as an operator, why don't they come back? What was it about their experience that was bad? And I think the number one reason that he emphasized during that was that most restaurants make it too difficult for guests to communicate back to you. And, you know, there's 
several techniques you and I have seen over the years, you know, those long surveys that they send out. And those long surveys, there's two types of people that fill those in, either people that hate you and they're mad or people that want to get something for free. Simple as that. So it's really not accurate data. Online reviews, three times are more likely to leave a negative to a positive review. So 99% of customers don't even leave an online review to begin with. So once again, not a good data source. And then the table touch. And he had a great example. You know, you walk up to a guest that's had a great experience and the server says, how was your dining experience tonight? And they said, oh, great. You walk up to an unhappy guest at a restaurant and you ask them how their experience was and they go, oh, it was great. So once again, you're not getting (laughs) accurate answers. So they, you know, there's techniques to be able to do short, you know, some short questions, maybe two questions to at least activate that guest to begin with and maybe follow up some with some additional questions after that, depending upon their answer. His point was, you know, if you're out there, you're trying to get guest feedback to come back to you. Don't start off with one of these long surveys because it's not going to help you out and you're not going to get that data in order to be able to act upon. Yeah, I mean, we, as you know, the RTN has a, has a work group that talks about uh, retention and loyalty and recognition. Very much the same numbers you were quoting there. And what's amazing is the restaurant has done the hard part. They've got the customer in the seat or into the restaurant or ordering through their channels. And, and you've, you've done the hard part. You've acquired the client. You've acquired the customer. And to let them get away so easily, that, to let 7 out of 10 or 8 out of 10 of them never come back again is a travesty. It's kind of like the whole HR approach that says an HR manager's job isn't about recruitment. It's about retention. I would argue a restaurant recognition system is the same thing. It's not necessarily exclusively about recruitment. It's about retention. It's about getting that, that guest to come back. And to your point, how do you do that? Do you do that through some kind of electronic comment card? Do you do that through some other mechanism by which you can uh, capture those, those negative sentiments before they leave? Because an unhappy customer walks out the door is probably 99% sure they're not coming back. So how do you capture it at the point of the spear? You know, how do you, how do you deal with those things when there's some way for you to turn that person around and convert them? So, yeah, I, I mean, I think this is becoming more of a science now than it has been before, uh, especially as we look at some of the headwinds in our current economy. Uh, it's getting more and more difficult to get somebody to come to your restaurant. That, that battle for the buck is much more difficult. If you could retain your customers, even if you increase that, you know, 70 percent don't come back to 60 percent, what that delta looks like in your in terms of your uh, your revenue, pretty significant. It is. Did you have a chance to see the HT tech survey that they did? Uh, I know every, I did. At, yes. yeah, every year yes. at the show, they have that. I missed it. So I was hoping you went to it. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, a couple of uh, a couple of high points there that, that show reason for optimism, I think, in the industry. I'll just pick a couple of things off, offhand. One of them is that um, as a whole, IT budgets have increased in, in uh, 2022. Uh, and that was a good sign because, as you know, for years, the industry saw this decline uh, of in terms of the percentage of uh, spend as a, as a percentage of revenue. And in uh, 2021, it was 1.97 percent, which, by the way, folks, is, is pretty, pretty low. If you yeah. think about it, moved moved to 2.44 percent. So quite an increase in terms of moving up 58 percent of those surveyed said that their budget is budgets increased uh this year and then 21 percent said their budgets increased greater than 10 percent 
So even better. So some good news there. You know, part of the, I won't call it bad news, but some of the reality is a lot of that budget is still going towards maintaining current technologies in the restaurants. About seven out of 10, about 70 cents out of every dollar is still going to maintaining the current systems in place. And only about a quarter of the total IT budget is going towards new technologies. Um, but at least it's a start. We're, we're heading in the right direction. And then the final piece that I talked about for, uh, for the survey that they talked about is the four areas that people are investing in or looking into as technologies. Interesting. Um, some of these I think you might get off the top of your head. Analytics. I think analytics makes that list every year. People continue to want to figure out what to do with their data. Uh, Location-based marketing. We're seeing a lot of that. And I think we'll even talk about that when we talk about uh, some of the current customer service technology that uh, five guys uh, talked about in their session. Uh, personalized uh, conversations and communications. Again, not a big shock. The one that surprised me a little bit and one that we've been very bullish on at Constrata, digital menu boards. I mean, you and I have talked about this. There's so much you can do with the digital menu board from monetization down to the data that you can just pull from it. And some of the AI built into these boards, there's so much capability available through these digital menu boards. And I think that so much of it is untapped. I think uh, that there's a one-to-one marketing aspect. If you're looking at drive-through for digital menu boards, I think that there's a, a larger play even in-store for digital menu boards that, that is really uh, untapped, whether it's time of day pricing, we talked a little bit about that before, time of day, day of week, uh, inventory-based pricing, uh, surge pricing. There's so much we can look at from a digital menu board because now we're looking at dynamic pricing as opposed to a published price somewhere on a static board. So lots of potential there. I'm sure we could cover that you know, in a whole session some other time. We could, but unfortunately, we're running out of time for today. So let's dig into redefining that guest experience using location technology. You alluded to it just a few moments ago about five guys. I believe it was Steve Teller, the VP of Digital Strategy, that was up on stage with the uh, folks from Flyby and Olo talking about how to take uh, this location technology and make it effective uh, for the consumer and the drivers and the the team members. I mean, it's it's really not just one dimensional aspect. It plays into multiple areas of operations. As an old guard restaurateur, you know, it, it, it crushed my soul to hear some of the things that Steve said. But he is absolutely right. Um, guest behavior and expectations have changed. You know, my my life. You know, uh, the, the idea of going to a restaurant and making it an experiential. It's still very important, and I, and I believe that, that there's still a place for that in our world. But more and more, uh, you know, the younger generations are looking for convenience. They're looking for uh, when they want it, where they want it, how they want it, uh, and less experiential as it relates to things like that. And, and Steve, I think, really nailed it. And he said that you know, a lot of the technologies that Five Guys is embracing is really about delivering on that promise to their customers in a way that they haven't been able to before. You know, during COVID, uh, everybody jumped on the third-party delivery and, and the delivery as a whole bandwagon and didn't necessarily execute it with the finest of finesse. Uh, but, you know, we were, we were in a situation where uh, that was as good as we could do it. And now a lot of the larger uh, brands are looking to how to improve that experience as a whole. 
one of the points that Steve made is the whole ecosystem, as you're looking at some of these technologies deliver, designed to deliver better customer service, are really de- are really designed for that remote customer or that delivery customer. And it's really about the whole ecosystem is really about trust. So the customer is going to give you information. They're going to allow you to uh, know things like tracking information because there's an expectation. They expect if they give that to you that when they when you when they get to your parking lot, you're going to know that they're there. You're going to uh, recognize that they're there, and you're going to be able to deliver the product quickly, given the fact that they allowed you access to that information. The driver, similarly, if the driver is going to give you information that allows you to track them, there's kind of an unwritten promise that says, when I get there, the food's going to be ready and I can go because my time is worth something and I want to be able to pull in, grab the food and leave and not be hanging around a lot. So there again, I'm going to give you that. I expect something back in return. And finally, even the crew member expects something because if the crew member is going to go out of their way to be driven by technology that says, for instance, in the case of Five Guys, the, the driver is now four minutes out, drop the fries. Their expectation is when those fries are coming out hot and tasty, that the driver's walking in the door at that very period of time so that that, that chain of, of custody is handled per, you know, perfectly. Because as anybody knows, there's nothing better than nice hot fries and there's nothing worse than cold fries. And so it really is the whole ecosystem and the whole technology cycle has been built on everybody kind of rowing and pulling on the rope at the same time. Well, I don't think people understand the complications behind, you know, five guys. Everybody thinks, oh, it's a burger and fries place. Steve was talking about how it's a two-step process for them. They won't cook the fries until that customer gets into the store. So that's why they needed this location-based services solution so they could drop it and have it ready the second that either the driver or the customer walk through the door. Now, I'm sitting back thinking, Okay, how cool would it be is if you could time that with some robotics, you know, like what White Castle is doing or Chipotle is doing and having the robotics, you know, drop the fries for you. That's going to the extreme, but uh, I think that would be a pretty cool addition onto what they could possibly do with something like that. I think the most profound statement that Steve made during that whole thing, he said a whole generation of people out there, they're growing up where they think that talking to other people is creepy. And I just sat back and I'm like, that is so true. These kids out there, this generation, they don't want to talk to people. But his point was, you got to be where the customer wants you to be and have that total frictionless experience. And uh, during COVID, we really found out that not all food travels the same, right? I mean, we know that things like pizza and Chinese for years have organically been a perfect you know, target for delivery. But a burger and fries doesn't travel as well. And so you have to do everything you can in your power to make that experience as pleasurable and and as good as possible. Because, again, you're paying a surcharge for that delivery. So the last thing you want to do is pay a lot and get less in return. So, So kudos to the technology providers as well as the operators like Five Guys in recognizing that and trying to improve the experience for a really a new generation of diner. Toby, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show. And I love doing these recaps with you because we always get some good information. I think you and I make a great tag team to cover this show. So thank you for taking the time to talk to the listeners today. And hopefully those that weren't able to make these sessions or weren't able to make Murtech at all, at least got a little bit of information and good, useful takeaways from this. Thanks, Skip, for including me. And uh, we'll we'll work on on a better jingle for next time. No, I'm taking you out with it right now. 
I think I threw Toby off with that. He was speechless, which is a rare occasion for him. Hopefully you enjoyed that quick 30-minute jam-packed episode of all the informative and fun stuff surrounding Mertech. I have one more surprise for you related to the show, so keep listening to the very end of this show to find out what's coming up next week. If you would like to reach out to me or the show, you can do so via Everything Social at Skip Kimple or Everything at Constrata. This includes Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and TikTok. You can always go to the website skipkimple.com for all of the archive shows, including the show notes, which will be posted there as well. You can also hear all these new episodes on the Constrata website at constrata.io. And of course, you can email me at skip.kimple at constrata.io. While at Mertech, I had the honor to host a kickoff fire chat with Kevin Saw for a session on the metaverse and breaking it down to its basics and the power behind the potential of where this technology is headed and, most importantly, how it could potentially impact you in the restaurant and hospitality world. Shortly after the public session we held, I sat down with Kevin one-on-one and we had a discussion around this so that I could bring it to you here on The Tech Chef. Next Tuesday is a must-hear episode. Well, that's it for this week. I certainly do hope you enjoyed it. And until we talk again next Tuesday, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay hungry, my friends. Yeah.